Welcome to the Money Pig Podcast brought to you by Goodwin Investment Advisory, where our mission is to lead people to financial peace, independence, and generosity. I'm your host, Reed Trigo. And today on the show, we're joined by the one and only founder of Goodwin Investment Advisory, Tim Goodwin, to discuss the origins of GIA. Welcome to the show, Tim. Thanks. Man. Excited to finally be here. It's great to have you. Yeah. It's great to have you. So this is our inaugural podcast episode. Right. And so we thought- Very low, low expectations. That's here. right. Yep. Yep. And we thought it would be a great place to start at the start because uh, you put this firm together 18 years ago. Yeah. 2004. Right. Yeah. And what we want is just people who- are or maybe aren't yet clients right. to get to know how this came about, where our values kind of stand and maybe where we're going in the future, but what's it look like today versus yeah. when we originally started. Sounds good. Sounds All like right. a plan. So what I thought we would do is just go with the journalist questions, the who, what, when, where, why, how, but maybe not in that order. Gotcha. Okay. So what let's, we like the idea of Starting with why. Right. So in 2004, or maybe before that, why did you decide to um, start an investment advisory? You know, if, the, if there's nerds listening, you know, they might really appreciate this kind of, but learning about compound interest, you know, is maybe where it started. <laughs> so like when you run the math and you run the calculators and you see, wow, I can save, you know, a couple hundred dollars a month, but because of compound interest, I can end up with hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars over time if it's mm -hmm. invested well. And that just totally blew my mind. I think when I started looking at it, I know um, Albert Einstein calls it like the eighth wonder of the world, you know, and he says those that, you know, understand interest, earn it, those that don't pay it, you know, so uh, it's, it's really an interesting thing to wrap your head around that. So anyway, um, learning about compound interest, I was like, man, I think this is what so many people are missing, you know? they're missing the, the effect of this compound interest. And so as I learned more about finance and investing, I was realizing like, wow, there's a lot of fees involved in investing. Like when you don't know what you're doing, this compound interest can get eaten up really fast by the fees you're paying, whether it's a broker or a product or an expensive investment. So, you know, I think initially when I was starting the firm, my mission was to help people generate better returns than they would on their own. Right. I figured if they can get better compound interest rates, then they'll have more money to be able to do the things that they want the freedom to do, whether it's being more generous or, um, you know, traveling or doing things with family. And so that was a big kind of motive to starting the company was to really try to help people invest and make a better return than they were making on their own. That's awesome. I yeah. figured when I asked why you started this company, your answer would be because I think I'm smarter than everybody on Wall Street. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. No, no. Okay. I think um, one of the first books that I read was called Winning the Loser's Game. It's by a um, Harvard professor called Charles Ellis. And, you know, that's when he talked a lot about these fees that are involved and how hard it is to kind of beat the market in Wall Street and kind of this, like, if you can't beat them, join them kind of thing. And you can do that through you know, certain ways of investing. And so that was really eye-opening to me. And so it was more of helping people do that. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So it's 2004. Yeah. Tim Goodwin, pretty young guy at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, decides I'm going to start an investment advisory. Uh, who else was there? Yeah. Who, so who was there, you know, I think what's part of the interesting part of the origin story is that I actually worked for, and when I got out of college, um, 
I worked for a family friend uh, that I had grown up knowing in the neighborhood. And, and he had said, Hey, you know, I'd be really interested in, you know, offering a job when you get out of school. And so he had started this small financial services company. Um, and he did, he did hire me right out of college. Uh, but I kind of quickly realized that this guy like just didn't have systems and um, didn't have checks and balances and just like, he wasn't calling his clients back or communicating well. And then I went and got my licensing and I went to try to register it with his firm and his firm wasn't registered. And I, I was like, what is happening? You know? And so I, I tried really hard to help the firm get there because it was a new firm. But at the end of the day, this guy would just not get the licensing and get the registration. And I realized like, wow, this is not really an ethical, moral way to run a company. And so, so I left, you know, mm. um, and I, and you know, this story, you know, you're kind of smirking cause I'm getting there, but you know, he, um, crazy and unfortunately and sadly started a Ponzi scheme after I left and got caught and is about halfway through serving a 20 year sentence in jail. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. So I'm really grateful for whatever that was, whether it was God or a moral compass or a combination of both of just like, I've got to get out. You know, this guy doesn't have ethics and morals that I have. And so I left and then, you know, really thought, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to move forward and, and start my own company. But yeah, you're right. Technically I was 22 years old at that time. So, <laughs> yeah. So out of the spare bedroom of my house, you know, with a, you know, hope prayer and a fax machine and a Panasonic fax machine that doubled as a phone. Um, that's, you know, that's how we started the company. But, but really at that time I did start the company to help people manage their money better. It was really about that specifically how to get better returns on their investments. Yeah. So you, you started out mm -hmm. by learning how not to do it. Right. Exactly. Okay, mm -hmm. We and got then, that out of the way. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> then I have to bring up to, you mentioned college. I know that you're a very proud alum. Yes. Of Barry college. Yes. Yeah. So um, Barry is a very small school in Northwest Georgia. Max is at somewhere around, you know, 2,100 undergrad students, but it is the largest campus in the world. That's true. You could say it's in Rome and people it, would think you studied it is, abroad. It is in Rome. Yeah. Mm. But Rome, Georgia. Yeah. <laughs> which is also, I mean, it's a great town for different, certainly different mm -hmm. reasons. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. So I went to that school, love that school, met my wife there. We got married there. And uh, I still try to stay pretty active. I was actually um, getting to speak to some students last week. Oh, okay. nice. Yeah. Okay. And where was this all happening? So you graduate from Barry. Yeah. I don't know where you went next because you went to high school in Marietta. That's right. But That's right. then where were you opening this? Yeah. So the <clears throat> we were in Canton, Georgia. And so I just started it out of the, my home there. So just working in that spare bedroom. So working from home before it was cool, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I think you're right. <laughs> yeah. You were. Yeah. Yeah. You had COVID protocols before totally. they we even had to existed. Figure it out. And now, just to kind of go a then and now, yeah, yeah, we're talking. You've we've just built this beautiful new office space. Mm, like it is, yeah, pretty beautiful. It's pretty in, awesome. Yeah, in Woodstock. Uh, from starting in your spare bedroom, you now have clients in how many states? It's something like. 22, 22 states, somewhere around 22. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. That is pretty, pretty crazy. Pretty wild to yeah. think about. Yeah. So it's grown a lot. And then when we talk about who, um, started with just you. Right. And your fax machine. Yeah. Yeah. That doubled as a Wait, phone. A close relationship, man, that <laughs> yeah. fax machine. Yeah, yeah. I bet you did. <laughs> I was on that phone a lot. Right. Right. And now what's the team look like? Yeah. So, um, it was really like uh, quite a few years before I considered building a team. I remember talking to my wife about it because sometimes advisors that, um, that grow books of business kind of just, um, outsource everything, you know, and hire vendors and that kind of thing. But, you know, I really talked to her and she was like, I think, I think we should build a team. I think you can do that. So 
I actually remember like what car I was driving and where, what road I was on and where I was when, when Maury and I had that conversation. But anyway, so yeah, so now we have a team, technically it's 15, including me. What kind of car were you driving? <laughs> it was, um, a 1997 forerunner. Oh, okay. Yeah. Really? Yeah. And so finally, um, yeah, after 333,000 miles, you know, decided to, to get a different vehicle, but I had to admit I've, I've missed my forerunner ever since. I bet yeah. you have, but you yeah. depreciated that baby down. <laughs> I really did. <laughs> really did. Yeah. That's awesome. The why you started the company yeah. was one thing in 2004. It's changed a little. I think it probably has. Yeah. Tell totally. me what's the why now? Well, and you share it like at the beginning of the podcast, right? Our, our mission, um, like before when I started, my mission was to help people generate the greatest return so they could give more back to their communities, their churches, their families, that kind of thing. But I kept having clients like ask me for advice, you know, and that was throwing me off one because I'm super young too, because I didn't want to give them any advice. I just wanted to manage their money and do it better than, you know, hopefully they were doing it, save them some fees, get them some better returns, that kind of thing. But after about six years of, of trying to say, no, 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 I'm, I'm not going to give you advice. I finally just kind of acquiesced. And I said, okay, we won't just be a money management firm. We'll be a money management firm and, and a wealth planning firm, basically a financial planning firm, you know? So we'll still manage money for all of our clients. Uh, in the case that they need advice, we will start uh, we'll, we'll start providing that advice, um, included in, you know, the fee that we charge to manage the assets, you know, that I guess that's been 12 years now. So that's pretty cool. we got a bunch of CFPs on the team. We're, we're about to have some more, um, got some really great strategic partners. We had some really great experience and tools and great conversations and processes to help clients with planning decisions, mm. you know, and like you said, the mission now is leading people to financial peace, independence, and generosity. And so those are more of the conversations we have with clients on. How do we help you get peace? How do we have either a plan for independence or a plan to maintain it? And if they want to invite us in on the conversation of generosity, what does that look like for them in terms of money, in terms of time, that kind of thing? Peace, independence, generosity. Yeah. Hence the pig. pig. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've been trying to get the marketing team to let me use pig for a while. 18 so. years. Yeah. 18 <laughs> years. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so... Okay. So you talk about financial planning. I think that actually is a great segue into one of the great tools that you, I don't know who created this. I'll, I'll give you credit. Might've <laughs> been a guy named Louie as well, Yeah, but the good life pyramid. Yes. That's kind of the basis for what we do. Yeah. And let's unpack that a little bit. Yeah, that is a really unique thing about the firm. If there was a high school student, he said, Tim, I want to be a financial advisor. What should I major in college? I would tell them to major in psychology. That's what I would tell them. If you double major ad finance, you know, but we can teach skills, you know, but like investing is so much about behavior. You know, right now we're talking, it's October, 2022. You know, the market has been going down pretty much since the beginning of the year. And we're down somewhere around 20, 25%, depending on, you know, what benchmark you're looking at. So, you know, that gets to be tough. Like, the amygdala fear part of our brain, the lizard part of our brain that helps us survive is kind of freaking out right now. Like, what do we do? Will my 401k recover? Can I still retire? Should I still be investing in the stock markets? All that's going on. And so the behavior we have around investing, I think is very, very important. And so there's a psychological aspect to our clients. There's the left side of the brain that says, Hey, I'm investing in this market supposed to give me, you know, whatever, eight, 10, 12% return, whatever it is. But there's the risk and the behavior side of your brain, the right side of the brain, that's kind of freaking out and, and looking at the risk and not sure that this is worth it, you know? So having the more um, acumen around psychology and behavior, it becomes probably the most helpful thing to be able to talk to clients and investors about. 
So that being said, one of the things that's always been the most fascinating thing to me is the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? Uh, if you're not familiar with the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, like at the bottom, like it really starts with like basic things like safety and food and water, right? And so once you have that, then you move up to, you know, wanting to be part of a community, wanting to get to know people, right? And then this kind of esteem, the self-esteem, kind of like I'm good at something and I want to be known for that. And then the very top of the, of the Maslow's hierarchy of needs is this more self-actualization where you're starting to kind of think like, what's the meaning of life and, and does God exist? And if so, what does that mean uh, for me? You know, so. Because it's hard to talk about, think about the meaning of life if you don't have water, food and shelter. Exactly. So exactly. Yeah. Yeah, Like my dad's a preacher. I grew up as a preacher's kid my whole life in church. And, you know, you hear these missionaries talk about, Hey, you know, like we can go and, and share the gospel with people, but if they don't have food and water, like they can't, they're not open to that. They can't hear us. Like we've got to go in and, and care for these people. People don't care what you know till they know that you care. And so it's interesting too. There's, there's, um, there's an aspect of finance that kind of layers over on this Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And so that circles back to what, what you were bringing up, Reed, which is what we call the good life pyramid. So the good life pyramid is our financial version of the Maslow's hierarchy of needs. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and when we sit down to plan with clients, we start at the basis of this and we kind of work our way up. Right. So, um, so I'll talk about it for a second. It's hanging on the wall behind you. So, mm-hmm. you know, I won't get it. <laughs> Maybe he did that on purpose. So that's pretty smart. So, yeah. So we, we, when we're talking to folks about money, we realize that a lot of times they're coming in because there's something around money management, right? Uh, maybe there's a cash flow issue. Maybe there's a lot of debt they're trying to get rid of, or they're wanting to build wealth. I'm not really sure if they've got to make some decisions. Do I buy a house? Do I refinance? Do I invest in the stock market? That kind of thing. And then they're trying to figure out how risky they should be with their investments. They're looking at how to allocate those. They might be looking at insurance to make sure that if something happens to them, that their family's taken care of. Um, and then everyone always wants to pay as little taxes as possible, right? So we can kind of help them think through that. But when you can get a lot of these kind of money management things um, handled, then you start thinking more about, okay, so that's handled. Okay. What about goals? Like let's pay off our house by this time. Let's help our kids for college. You know, I want to retire. What does that look like? I want to be a real estate investor. What does that look like? I want to get to charity. So then we can talk about goals, but beyond that kind of gets to this peace part that we've talked about, right? Because ultimately you want to feel organized and in control. You want to worry less about your money. You want to have more free time and you want to know that not just your kids, but maybe your aging parents, that there's a plan for them and they're taken care of, right? So we call that kind of the peace of mind. And then at the top is the, the self-actualization part of the Maslow's hierarchy of needs which is, you know, living life with purpose, building a legacy. What do you want to be remembered for? How do you want to spend your years where you're financially independent? And it's hard to think about those things yeah. if your cash flow is negative on That's a monthly right. basis. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So, so we're not maybe bringing up those things if we're meeting with, with an individual or a couple that needs to handle some of those money management things before they can really think about goals and, and peace of mind. That guy. Awesome. Yeah. But um, you, met, you mentioned Louie and Louie was a designer that helped us put this together um, years ago. Shout out to Louis Spivak out mm-hmm. there. Um, and actually Bain Capital Consulting Group out of Massachusetts kind of helped to put something in between uh, the Maslow's hierarchy of needs and finance. They built kind of a, a similar version of this for business and then fidelity. So there's been a, been a couple of folks that have been involved in what our output is, but that is a unique way of how we help our clients structure the conversations. Like what are the goals? How are we moving up the pyramid? That kind of thing. Great. So 
All right. We have just a couple minutes left here. And I want to ask, so, you know, maybe somebody's visited the website, they clicked on this because they're like, well, my other option is to click and enter my information. Sure. <laughs> so, yeah. so maybe this is an intermediary step for them. What do you want somebody like that to know about the team or our approach? I love here? it. I love that you asked that question. That's a great one because we do have a process for folks that are interested in looking at our services and whether we're a good fit for them. And the first step of that process is to schedule an intro call. And like you're saying, like in order to get that intro call scheduled, you have to ask, you have to answer a few questions about yourself. Um, and I know that can be like, wow, what are these folks going to do? They're going to sell your information. We're not going to sell your information. No, we're just trying to make sure we get you to the right person to have the right conversation to get you the best help. Um, but I, what I can be confident about is if you schedule that intro call and you have that conversation, you will talk to somebody that genuinely cares about you, that genuinely wants to get to know you um, and is really going to ask you some questions that will be helpful for you to think about, even if you don't take the next step in our process. I think we actually consider like the intro call, like the time that we pay people to do intro calls for free for people that are interested is almost like the ministry arm of our company um, because we want it to be helpful and we want it to be um, something that they can walk away from and go, wow, those are some questions I should be thinking about. And we really encourage you to do like, if, if you do have a partner or a couple, you're married and you schedule that intro, intro call, I highly recommend that you do it with your spouse, with your partner. Even if you're the one that makes a lot of decisions about the money, um, it's really cool to start involving your spouse in where the money is or isn't, <laughs> you know, what kind of goals that you have for the future and to get them to be a part of it. Because ultimately, if you do decide to have a first meeting with an advisor, we're going to want, we're going to want the couple to be there. It is so interesting because in, I think almost every marriage relationship, especially there's one partner who is interested and one who's kind of not sure. And totally. so that person doesn't want to show up. Yeah. Yeah. But they really kind of should, even if they don't want to. Well, and I get like, if one spouse is like, well, look, you know, babe, I'm going to go find some folks and narrow it, narrow the list down for us. Okay. Thank, thanks for doing that. You know, but if you do feel like that we might be, if you would consider us as kind of one of the top lists then then try to get your spouse involved as soon as possible. It's okay to not bring them to the first meeting, but often we end up having them come back for a second first meeting because they brought their spouse and they want us to kind of go through it again, which we are happy to do. Sure. Yeah. Sure. But at that point, you're pot committed. So yeah. <laughs> you're, you've invested a lot of time. You invest in a lot process. of time. And yeah. So if you vetted and, and, you know, get them on the intercall and get, see what, how they feel about the intercall, the questions we ask the person that's on our team doing the intercall, that kind of thing. Great. Great. And so are there other information for listeners? Obviously our website is just packed full yeah. of blogs and trusted partners and resources. Yeah. I love that. You always want to start with the website, get to know the team. If you haven't gone to like the about us page yet, maybe get to know me and, the, and more of the advisors here a little bit better. The next thing I would do is to read reviews. Um, we have a lot on Google. Those are um, clients. Those are people that know us to be fully clear. We do not pay anybody to leave reviews. So these are clients that um, have taken some time to really share some things to help folks that are considering scheduling an intercall or meeting with us. We really ask people, hey, can you, can you just share how we made you feel, mm -hmm. you know, as a review? So we've got a lot of reviews. Check those out. The third thing that I would say is if you are active on Facebook, it might be interesting to look at our Facebook page as well, because there you'll see um, if you're active on Facebook, you'll see if any of your friends like our page. 
So I think that's an interesting thing that like, if you are really doing some like full due diligence on us and you want to try to talk to people that maybe have been following us or potentially our clients, that's, that's one way as well. And like Reed saying, we, we create a lot of content, do a lot of things and make some videos and things like that. So you'll find that on Facebook as well as YouTube. And we have a podcast. Now. And now we have a podcast. Yeah. So keep it going. Pull up, pull up some episode that looks interesting to you. That's right. The goal is not to be the number one podcast no. in America or in the world, by the way, it's just to have some content out there for yes. people to get to know us a little bit. Yeah. Better. We're and proud. Have some fun. Yeah. Yeah. Have, yeah. Have a little fun. Have a little fun. But we really are proud of what we've created here. Full disclosure. I've been a client here for a quite a long time. <laughs> you don't want to disclose how four, long? 14 or 15 years. <laughs> yeah, something like that. So, um, it wasn't your first, yeah, <laughs> just a pretty few close. years in. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's been a, just a great experience. And I think sometimes Thanks. when I talk to clients, I tell them that and their eyes get a little bit wide. They're like, wow, you've yeah. been a client here all that time. That's right. And you're still there. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> been through 2008. That's um, true. What other things? Well, uh, yeah. So, so the COVID, you know, 2020, uh, 2015 yeah. wasn't all that fun either. It ended no. up kind of being flat, but mm-hmm. you know, yeah, 2020 was it was quicker than what we're experiencing right now because we came out of that. Yeah, we all fast. got spoiled in we 2020. Did. We didn't did we? get spoiled. Yeah. Yeah. But all these latest hits have been 2001, 2009. It's, they've been caused by like jolts mm. to the economy. Mm. I could be wrong. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah so, something something creates like, bam, more something. uncertainty and that, that squeezes yeah. us down. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, hey, great. it's been a pleasure. Yeah. yeah thanks, thanks for very having much. me. Great time. Thank yeah. you. The Money Pick Podcast is hosted by Reed Trigo. Goodwin Investment Advisory is a registered investment advisory firm regulated by the Securities and Exchange Commission in accordance and compliance with security laws and regulations. Goodwin Investment Advisory does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through the Money Pick Podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice.